Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars out there, welcome back. I truly appreciate it. Now, if you're a first-time listener, let me briefly tell you what our show is about here. We at the Cinema Judge love movies. We're not here to yell at Hollywood, complain about actors, none of that stuff. Leave that to the professionals. This is like a movie oasis, a place where you could come and learn about one movie. I provide you the evidence and you make up your own mind. That's what we're all about here. Because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. We all walk different paths. Who am I to tell you not to see a movie, or even to see a movie? I'll let you know if I think you should, or you know that I liked it. But I'm not going to say do or don't. Because there's so much noise out there. I just want a place where you can come here and just forget about the world for a while. Because it gets so noisy out there. This is just... A place for movies to learn about movies. Because simply put, it's like this. We all want to spend our hard-earned money wisely. Because we all want the same thing. An enjoyable movie experience. It's that simple. Now, approaching the bench today, we have Creed 3. And if you guys don't know, in a nutshell, Creed is the son of Apollo Creed from the original Rocky series. And it started off... His story 1, 2, and 3, and watching his character develop. But what sets this movie apart from the other ones, Michael B. Jordan, who plays Adonis Creed, directs this film. And that is not an easy task. When you're in a film and you have to direct it, it he does an incredible job. I just gotta, I gotta tip my cap off to this young guy. Or not, I shouldn't say young guy, but first time out really directing, you do a massive movie like this. I can't even Im- imagine the amount of pressure he was under. But he handled it. He knows what he's doing. He's a great actor. And he's proving to be a great director. So just that alone is really fascinating. But let me tell you what the story is in a nutshell. Adonis has been thriving in both his personal and family life. But when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face-off is more than just a fight. Because when they were kids... They ran a little foul of the law, and Creed was younger, so he kind of just got, you know, looked, you know, he was a minor, so nothing really happened to him. But Damien, being older, was put into the whole system, and that altered the rest of his life forever. And now he's out, and his life is changing, and he goes back to that life to try to get it back. Here's the trailer for Creed 3. I spent the last seven years of my life. Living out my wildest dreams. Bianca. Rocky. My dad. This is built on their shoulders. Hey, my man, can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing the autographs, but you get off my car. You don't remember me, huh? Damien. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, huh? I know I've been away a long time, but I kept myself in shape. I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. Thank you. Curious what happened with you two? I didn't tell you. We was like brothers. I was the best, though. But I never got a chance to prove that. That's cute. 
trying to hurt me? I know what you're doing, Donnie. You don't owe this dude nothing. Damien's fighting the world, and he's trying to hurt people. I vouch for you. You think you mad? Try spending half your life in a cell. Why did somebody else live your life? I'm coming for everything. You threatening me? Something is going on with you. Damien was like family. Now we pass talking. Then maybe you just have to find out. Some of my methods, you might disagree with me. These are family ties. I recognize mine. I know that they needed me. Traumatic stress, watch it manifest. Got my only fear. I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? What you gonna do? Threaten to take my breath? I need you to let go of your fear. Let go of the guilt. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. And like I said earlier, the guts it takes for Michael B. Jordan to take on such a monster role in directing and acting. Because now if you're like me, movie junkie that I am, and I'm sure you are too, the countless boxing movies there's been, and the bar is set massively. So here you are taking on a project like this with with such a legacy following Rocky and now Creed, which is creating its own legacy. In my mind's eye, I'm freaking out. I'm just going, boop. But shows you his confidence in his abilities that he knows he could, he could handle this, and he does. Now coming up next, we're going to hear from Michael B. Jordan, and he's going to talk about where the last movie left off and where we are, where we're at now. And then immediately after that, we're going to hear from writer Keenan Kugler, and he also addresses where he's at now, where his character's at, and sometimes the greatest challenges are dealing with the past. Where we left Adonis Creed and his family at the end of two, you know, we're at the gravesite for Apollo Creed, and, um, you know, I think Adonis finally, you know, took the weight of his father and his trauma, his dad's trauma off of his shoulders, you know? I think he stopped blaming his dad for... Um, a lot of his current situation. Um, so I think that was a big deal, you know, for, for Adonis to address that. And, you know, obviously with the, the birth of Amara, you know, um, you know, Bianca and Adonis having a, having a child um, and, and what the family in the future was going to look like moving forward. So Creed Three picks up, um, I want to say, three or four years in the future from the last story. Um, but when we find Adonis, he's a father, he's a businessman, he is a devoted husband, uh, to a working wife. He's all these things that we haven't seen him in the last couple movies. You know, he's completed his journey. He's sort of made it to the top of the mountain and he's looking for the next challenge, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not always that simple for him. And so the fun for our part was where's that next threat coming from? And typically in those situations, they kind of come from your past. And like he mentioned, sometimes the past could be a beast, no matter who you are, rich, famous or not. And we always, from the outside, think, man, these people have it just easy, man. It's all, what are you complaining about? But when you get up there, the higher, higher, higher you get, the pressure just mounts. And then sometimes your past just eats away at you. Everybody thinks you're perfect. And you still got to play the game, play the role. And it eventually just starts building up on you. So, like, with this interview that he just we just had, in this next scene, we're going to have Creed talking to his wife. 
And she just was telling him, you know, you got to talk to me. He's like, no, that's in the past. I don't even want to talk about it. But they're having this real life discussion, not just like, oh, I'm a big shot and whatever, just do what I say. It's a, tr- it's a, you know, a scene about marriage and communication. And then during that conversation, their daughter is in their bedroom and she's like, hey, you better pump the brakes, man. We don't want her seeing you like this and you know, all that stuff. So it's just an honest depiction of how real families work. And here's a really another cool side note. Their daughter is an actual deaf young girl. And that's just, you know, it's not somebody playing a deaf child. She actually is in real life. And they had to learn some ASL just, you know, for the role. But it's just, I just like that. The detail that they go to when making these kind of movies now, they actually get people who are that, in that, playing those roles are that way. And it's just a real quick side note. It doesn't That doesn't really matter here nor there. But here's that scene with Creed and his wife having that honest discussion. Is there something else you want to tell me? D, you have got to open up at some point. I don't know what else to tell you. What I you need to understand what is what going on. What you want to hear? Some sad story? You trying to feel sorry for me or no, something? No, I don't want to feel sorry for you. I want to understand you. I want to know what is going on There's with you in my house. There's nothing to talk about. I don't want to talk about anything. I've been trying to forget it. It's dead. Leave it. Leave it. Let it lie. I'm talking about no more. You figure out your day. Because what cannot happen is her seeing you like this. Do you understand? Now, as you heard, that's a pretty intense emotional scene. Now, put yourself in his position. Here you are doing this scene, just intense. And then you realize, oh, I'm, I'm directing this scene. I got to know. Step right back in that hat. Look at the scene. See how it played. But also, giving yourself an honest piece of direction. And I think that's the hardest thing for sometimes people who try to do both. Can they direct themselves? Are they allowing themselves to be criti- critical of even their own performances. I don't know how that can be. I mean, I don't even know how that works. But that's the line you got to walk. And that just must be really difficult in my mind. Because when you're acting, you're, you're focused. Okay, this is, what, this is a really intense scene. But then, now I put on my director's hat. Eh, how did I do? Is that okay? How did everybody do? And then, boom, shift gears again for take two, take three. I just find that very fascinating. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from Michael B. Jordan talking about being that this is his first time taking on this kind of movie directing and it's how much he was really inspired by Ryan Coogler. And it's, I just love these kind of stories. He talks about meeting him or when he was on the set one time and then it's like, Oh, I, I, I think I could do this. And it's just a really cool interview. And immediately after that, we're going to hear for the incredibly talented Ryan Coogler, who is, who did the story of this and he helped produce it. But he talks about working with Michael B. Jordan and says, you know, this is something you can do. For me, directing was something that I guess I didn't think was possible until, you know, working with Ryan Coogler. I think the first time I stepped on set for Fruitvale Station and, you know, seeing a young, you know, black man, you know, 
from similar places, you know, around my age, uh, directing a, a feature film, you know, I, I, I saw myself in him. You know, I was like, okay, if he can do it, you know, I can do it. And he told me, hey, look, Mike, there's no right time for this. You know, you've been on set, you know, your entire life. So, <clears throat> you know, when you when you find something that, that speaks to you, just jump for it and, and, and go for it. And, and uh, that's kind of what happened around, you know, Creed 3. I've been, you know, quietly watching and learning and listening and, and, and kind of, you know, putting, you know, together, you know, things that, 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 ex- that inspire me, that excite me, um, and hopefully finding a vehicle for it. And, and that's what I did with Creed 3. I knew from the moment that I met Mike that it was a matter of time before he, before he would direct. Uh, he had a great understanding of story uh, and an ambition to him, you know, a, a point of view, um, you know, a belief, a, a belief that that certain story should be out there and it should exist. So I was, I was definitely encouraging him um, to, to go for it. And it's obviously no surprise to any of us how incredibly talented Michael B. Jordan is. And there was without a doubt that he was going to just nail this just like everything else he does. And in that vein, we're going to hear from co-writer Zach Balin just talking about when he first started talking to Michael B. Jordan about this and talks about his interest from anime and just knowing film so well. It's just really cool to get in somebody's mind and hearing, wow, this guy really does dig movies. But that's what it takes if you're going to be in the business for this long and then also take on directing. And he talks about that. And then immediately after that, we're going to hear from Jonathan Majors, who plays Damien. Now, you might ask yourself, what has he been in? Well, just recently, the latest Ant-Man, When We Rise, White Boy Rick, and the TV show Lovecraft Country. The man is just talented. Everybody involved in this film, it's like you can't lose. Like the old saying goes, it's an embarrassment of riches. And then we're going to go right into Michael B. Jordan talking about who he spoke to before he took on this kind of directing for the first time, other directors that inspired him and wanted to get their opinions. These are just some really cool interviews. Check it out. I met Michael B. Jordan early on in the development process of of Creed 3. I knew he was obviously going to star, and it was really exciting that Michael was going to direct this one. And Michael had really ambitious goals from the beginning. I think that he he's a huge anime fan. He's a you know, he's a real cinephile, and he really wanted to try and push the kind of story that you can tell within within this franchise. Obviously, it's going to be a huge boxing movie. It's going to be really inspirational. But he, he also, from the beginning, was talking about trying to bring in these elements of, like, noir and thriller and a bit of anime into it um, that was going to make it feel really distinct in his own. So that was really exciting to try and figure out how you know, how far you could push the boundaries of what, what a Creed movie was. As a director, um, I've not felt more um, taken care of as far as the world building, as far as the understanding of the music of the film, you know, uh, what part I was playing. You know, I, it's never been so concrete in the best way, you know, and so it's a certain amount of faith you have in your director, you know. We worked in such a way where it was like, it's a real collaboration. You know, I think the best director is like, it's very much like like a, a big brother, you know, or a good parent. They literally just let you run and, and, and put things in the way or move things out of the way to allow you to be you, right. you know. And he, I mean, 
he he just trusted so much for whatever reason that I was going to do the job and I was the man for the job. And when you feel that trust, it makes you want to put out, you know, more so than you would even for yourself, you know. It's kind of weird to me how our chemistry works. Like, we actually... We actually really like each other. You know what I mean? Like, like you get my, my tail starts wagging when I see him. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? You know, how you doing? You know, it's, it's, I feel like boyhood friends. You know, we could do any, we play boxers together, soldiers together, police officers. There's just a, um, a kindred spirit, you know, which is so strange because we're so close in age, you know, and, and, and so alpha in our own ways and both young men yet, you know, and so the merging of these kingdoms, the merging of this, it's a, real, it's a real collaboration, you know, where one plus one equals three, or one plus one equals Crete. I think I was eager to learn uh, to kind of start from, not ground zero, but ground zero, you know, in a sense of, you know, directing, you know, you, you know the humility of knowing that you've never done something before and, and ready to learn, but then also um, the confidence of being on set, you know, for 20 years and, and, and having a... Uh, understanding of, of, of what, what comes with the job. So being able to reach out to like the community of directors that I, I, that I'd never worked with, uh, in a professional capacity, but were, uh, you know, very open and willing to pass on knowledge and gems, you know, to, uh, to me, you know, from, you know, David O. Russell to Bradley Cooper to Denzel, um, you know, Stephen Capel, Ryan Coogler, you know, I, the list goes on, um, John Favreau, um, you know, I've been blessed to have, you know, people who've, you know, done it once or twice. Uh, and, and especially from, you know, an actor-director perspective, you know, and directing themselves. And that was a challenge that I knew I had in front of me. So to be able to lean on them and um, and be available for any questions that I've had, it, it, uh, it was priceless. Now, what we have next is a featurette. You know, in this featurette, you're going to hear interviews from Michael B. Jordan and a treasure of other people. But within those interviews, there's going to be clips of the movie and on the set footage. That's what the studio sends me. It's like a mini commercial talking about a certain topic that they want to discuss. This one is his directing. And now, most of you, if you've listened to the show before, you know this is a TV show before it's the podcast. I always make the TV version, I get rid of the video, and I make it into a podcast. That's how I this works. So if you want to watch sometimes the TV version of this, I'll give you that website at the end of the show. Because sometimes when you're listening to it, you're like hearing all these things in the background. Like, what's going on? Well, that's intersplicing of scenes, on the set stuff, etc. And just a side note on all this, that in these interviews, they're going to be little, little segments, little clips of longer interviews maybe you've already heard or you might hear later on. That's kind of how they do it. They just, they snip it some of the interviews into really small segments. So I'm not just being lazy. It's just, or, you know, whatever on purpose. It's just, that's how these things are set up. But at the end of the show, I'll give you the website in case you want to watch these little featurettes and interviews and scenes that we have. But here's that featurette talking about him directing. I had a lot of years to develop Adonis created in front of the camera. I grew up with him, so I had a clear vision of what I wanted this story to be and where I wanted to see the Cree family go. Mike has done such an incredible job directing this film. He has the spirit to bring a group of people together. Great job, great job. I had an incredible community of directors who were very willing to pass on knowledge to me. 
you know, Denzel, Stephen Cable, Ryan Coogler, people who, you know, done it once or twice. Mike made me feel really comfortable. The conversations that Mike and I were having were life-changing for me as an actor. It's a real collaboration, you know, where one plus one equals three. It's just a kindred spirit. He's incredibly disciplined. Getting to see him approaching the work in an almost athletic way was just an honor to get to watch. Great guy, Josh. Great guy. The fun part was finding ways to keep it intimate and true to character and story, but then also how do we take some real big creative swings and take it to the next level? Now, if I've learned one thing doing this show, you come here for the interviews from the people participating in this project. So I'm just going to tell you who's coming up next. I'm just going to play them back to back so I don't have to interrupt them. First, you're going to hear from Zach Balin, the writer, and then Ryan Coogler, the story and producer, and then Jonathan Majors, who plays Damien. And they're just going to talk a little bit more about the story and the characters. Let it roll. So the story of Creed Three is we pick up with Adonis after he has decided to retire from boxing. And he is at the pinnacle of his career. He is at the pinnacle of his, of his marriage and his professional life. And he is trying to figure out what that means and what his responsibilities are moving forward. And into that moment of his life, a old friend, this guy Damian Anderson, who's played by Jonathan Majors, gets out of prison and comes back to reconnect with Adonis. And Damien's return brings up a lot of old baggage from these two fighters' life. And that Damien had been a fighter himself and had, in a lot of ways, unlocked that sport for, for Adonis. And now Damien is ready to reclaim some of the aspects of his career that he thinks have been stolen from him. And it becomes a very complicated story about what Adonis's responsibility towards helping Damien is towards achieving his goals and what Damien's ultimate motivations are, whether they're actually to fulfill something for himself or to, or to take some vengeance against Adonis for things that he thinks he's responsible for. And it leads to, you know, a really dramatic, compelling final fight that's I think is unlike anything in any other Creed films. So Adonis in Creed three has, has really had a, very large transformation in his life that when we met Adonis in, in Creed one, he was very much a, a kid still. He was a, he was a young man who was really trying to figure out who he was. You know, his father died in a boxing ring and was not there to raise him and all, and that has affected every aspect of his life. So in Creed three, we really tried to focus on what it meant for Adonis to be a father and how that impacted his decisions to, to leave boxing. So at the beginning of Creed three, Adonis retires really with the intention of trying to be part of a family and be a father in the way that that his father was never able to be for him. So Damian Anderson, played brilliantly by Jonathan Majors, um, is a is a, a friend of Adonis um, from, from, from his life before he was adopted. And um, I think that, that that's the best way to describe him, <laughs> you know, uh, he's a little older than Adonis. He was he was kind of his, his mentor, kind of a, kind of a big brother to him, um, and something happened, you know, um, and, and it caused him to go in different directions. Uh, so he's coming back, and he's very much, um, 
he's very much a, a, a character who brings Adonis' past back with him um, and, and represents a type, of, a type of reckoning and reflection, you know, that Adonis is kind of forced to, to, to go through. The internal growth, um, I think, is at its acme in this for uh, Adonis. And so as an actor approaching it, you look at the hero and, and what is the hero's journey and where is he going, you know? And again, through conversation, we knew that this was going to be an intimate story about these two, actually about these two men, not, not this one guy coming across this man, but these two men and their own stories, their own legacies, their own dreams colliding and actually colliding. Um, and so, yes, it is more intimate, but the saga of it is, is, is epic, you know, is Greek, you know, what we're, what we're, what we're discussing. It's tribal, you know, um, there's, 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 um, social and blood, um, currency, you know, within these two individuals. And so it is, uh, different in that way, um. And it is smaller in that way because it's something that we all deal with. You know, every human being deals with that. You have a sibling, in, you know, by blood or, or maybe just by relationship, which is the case of uh, Damien and uh, Donnie. The event that um, breaks us apart is actually, uh, ironically, a moment of contaminated um, collaboration. You know, um, when people see the film, you'll see that this is actually two people really trying to love each other, and one overplays the hand. And because of the society they're in, because of the actions that they took, uh, and because of their age difference, um, the elder, uh, Damien, ends up uh, having to deal with the penal system and, and goes to prison. Uh, but the, the event of it is essentially a big brother sticking up for a little brother. That's, that is all that happens. That's what happens. A little brother gets in trouble, rightfully so. Big brother goes in and tries to, to, to clean it up. And in doing so, they both get busted. They both get in trouble. Um, but the older brother uh, has, has, has older consequences. Um, and that puts Damien um, in the penal system. He's in prison uh, <laughs> 18, 20 years. Um, while in there, he holds on to the brother love that he has between, that is between him and Donnie. Um, one of the things that they muse on and dream on and, and kept them afloat, you know, when they were in the mud of the poverty, of, of uh, foster care, et cetera, at the Jeff, uh, was this dream of uh, the rumbling in the jungle, you know, uh, Ali and uh, uh, Foreman. And they had that, Image. They had that dream. They shared that dream. And boxing for them was their ticket. And they were both incredible boxers. Uh, Damien, the stronger boxer, the older boxer, uh, teaching the younger boxer, his younger brother, how to fight, you know, and ultimately how to survive. Um, so that dream and that relationship is held on to by Damien uh, when he's incarcerated. The rumble in the jungle, getting to Africa, these are things that in my script I went, that's what this moment is, that's what this moment is, that's what I'm fighting to get, that's what I want. And I think we all can relate to that little concept in some way, shape, or form. It's such a difficult pill to swallow. 
because we often have these dreams or an idea of what we wanted our life to be or what we thought it could be. You know, you could go down that rabbit hole every day of your life. It doesn't do you any good because you can't go back. But it's just the idea of lost time. It's like you're going, where did it all go? Like the Pink Floyd song goes, 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You miss a starting gun, etc. You know what I mean? Something like that. But there comes that point in everybody's life. You're like, huh, bugger, you know? And that, so that's what's kind of like uh, Damien's issue here. He's coming back after all this time has passed. And can he recapture it? Or is it now just a lost dream? Now, in that situation, we have a scene here. And in the scene, Damien is standing by a car and Creed is walking out. He's like, hey, man, do you want an autograph? Come on, man, I don't do that. And then he realizes this is his childhood friend. And it's just kind of fun to see that dance happen. Hey, my man. Can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing the autographs, but you get off my car. Oh, holy. You don't remember me, huh? Come a long way from bumming rides from your mom. Damn. Boy, you had, you had, you had me. <laughs> Damien. Yeah, just got back to the hood. Stopped by the old gym, but, uh... Yeah, we upgraded a couple years ago. Huh? See? Damn, it's, 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 uh... It's been a minute. Been a minute. When you see that kind of scene, you play it in your own head thinking, what would I do? How would that scene play out if I was on either end of that situation? somebody from childhood, and your lives completely went sideways. And it's just fun to watch those scenes play out. Now, up next, we have another featurette for you. And in this featurette, they're talking a little bit more about the story and where they're at now. And like once again before, you're going to hear clips from the movie, interviews, and all that jazz. Here it is. Adonis Creed has been defined by boxing his entire life. But is boxing all Adonis is? How do you raise the bar for the man that we've gotten to know throughout Creed 1 and Creed 2 and really take this franchise to the next level? Going into Creed 3. Adonis is a father, a husband, a better man. But there's secrets from his past his family doesn't know. Hey, my man, can I help you? You don't remember me, huh? Damien. Mike wanted to tell a story that honored the legacy of Rocky, but was different. And a big part of that was introducing Damien Anderson. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. I know I've been away a long time, but I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. Thank you. Adonis and Damien have a real past. They grew up as children together in a really tough environment. Curious what happened with you two? We was like brothers. I was the best, though. Man, I never got a chance to prove that. They shared this boxing dream together. So imagine what happens when you have to watch someone live that dream without you. It can breed resentment. Damien was like family. Hey, hey, what you doing, man? Now we passed talking. Then maybe you just have to fight him. I had a clear vision of what I wanted this story to be. I grew up with Adonis Creed, so this opportunity to direct their installment is so personal to me. 
getting to see Mike approach directing in an almost athletic way was incredible to watch. Good. Working with Mike was a real collaboration. And when you feel that trust, it's the best gift an actor can have. Damien's fighting the world and he's trying to hurt people. This is a movie that lends itself to that big screen experience. The fights, the action, you want to see that up close and personal. I'm coming for everything. You threatening me? It's all on the line here. All roads led up to this moment, and we need to see what happens next. We're going to hear from the director, Michael B. Jordan, coming up next. And in his interview, he talks about what Damien represents in just that whole situation and that relationship. I think Damien Anderson, you know, his character is a mixture of a few different things. Um, I think, um, you know, you know, who knows you better than, you know, the people that you grew up with, you know, um, who thinks they know you, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, the most, uh, and, you know, how do we challenge Adonis, um, in a way where it allows him to keep secrets, um, and hold on to things that, you know, the audience and the rest of his family doesn't know. Um, but then also leave him room to be honest and to face his past in a way so he can able to move forward, you know, with who he is. And, and I think Damien kind of represents, um, a brotherhood that, um, Adonis, uh, tried to run from, you know, that he kind of outgrew in a way through trauma. And I think through that trauma, uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you get two, two versions of the story. I think Damien represents um, Adonis's guilt, his, um, um, you know, his past, but then also the thing that he has to address in order for him to be a full person, you know, for him to be the man that he knows he can be, who he wants to be. Um, so I think, you know, Damien is crucial to Adonis's journey. Now, Damien, he's carrying a lot of ghosts with him and a lot of anger. Now, we have a scene for you next. Now, in this scene, Damien is in the gym sparring with somebody. They, you know, they have their equipment on, all that stuff. And then they kind of get tangled up a little bit. And then he just kind of gives this guy a cheap shot, for lack of a better word. And everybody around is like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And it just shows you his frustration, his eagerness to say, I just want to win at any cost. Stay focused. Jabs, jabs. Give it to him. Work yourself out the clinch. Let's do it. Who's that? Hey, you keep it clean, huh? Yo, man. What you trying to do, hurt me? Off, little man. You, you ain't built like that. Little man. Who you calling little man? Who you calling little man? Mike, Mike. Hey, hey, Mark, hey, come. Hey, Mark. Get in there. Get in there. Hey, 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 hey. No, no, get back in there. Let him go. Let him go. Hey, what's going on down here? That was intentional. You handled this. I am going to handle this. What are you talking? What happened? We doing my job? Hey, come here, man. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. Use your head. Okay, use your head. Leave all that other mess outside. I told you who I won't be. Now, Jonathan Majors is up next, who plays Damien. In this interview, he talks about what separates his character in this film from being, quote, a villain compared to the other ones and how that totally affects the movie and the storyline. And right after that, we're going to have another clip. And in this clip, we have 
Damien and Creed, they're outside on the beach. They're out, there's like a bonfire happening and things get a tad bit heated in the conversation. The thing that separates Damien from, I think, the other canonical uh, adversaries, um, one is that this script gives the opportunity for us to learn the villain and understand the villain. And in doing so, I had the gift of empathy, you know? Uh, and you have that primarily because of the relationship between Adonis and Damien, that these guys, from the beginning, when they're boys and when you see us as men, you know these guys have a, a brotherly love, you know, like, and it's deep. You know, it's, it's, it's that friend. But the thing that separates Dame from, I think, all the other guys would be that his beef is uh, historical and emotional. But the battle for Damien continues. And it's not until he's in the locker room, because his battle is he just, he just had a few, more, uh, a few more adversaries, a few more ghosts to uh, defeat. There's an uh, acknowledgement of one's uh, pain and history and that shared history and, and ultimately himself, you know. And he has to acknowledge who he is and what he's done. And his brother, Damien, uh, his brother Adonis also has to acknowledge it. And in doing so, they heal each other. I brought you into my home, bro. You met my family. I put money up for you. Put the gloves on your hands right, like you asked. That's enough, Philly. <laughs> you, you put the gloves on my hands? Oh, homie. You must be punchy. Because <laughs> the memory serves. You used to carry my gloves. Get you and get out the gym. Now, Keenan Kugler, screenwriter, is up next. And he's going to talk about some of the messages he hopes people get out of this film and just discuss a little bit more about what's the point. And then right after that, we're going to have another scene for you. And in this scene, it's Creed and Damien, and they're having a discussion. And Damien's going, you know, they're looking at the gloves of Apollo Creed. They're in this little, you know, case. And he's like, you know, hey, he was all about helping out the underdog. Why can't you? It's my hope that people see this film... And it gives them the courage to go have some difficult conversations. And I think with this film, we, we were really adamant about, we wanted to add to the Cree legacy while also recontextualizing some of it. Um, and I think that the biggest thing about this film is uh, learning how to appreciate the life you've earned is a big theme for Adonis. Um, but also uh, accepting yourself is a big thing. You know, and accepting yourself is a big step if you want other people to believe in you and have faith in you and connect with you. Accepting yourself is a big step in that process. I think that that's what this film is all about. They take your name, and they, they give you a number. That's how it starts. I was the best, though. Yeah, you were. I was, bro. But I never got a chance to prove that. Look, all I'm saying, bro, if, if Apollo Creed could take a chance on some underdog, why can't you? Now, up next, we're going to hear from the amazing Ryan Coogler, and he's going to talk to us about what to expect from Michael B. Jordan from this film, not just as a director, but as an actor. And immediately after that, 
talking about that whole balance, we're going to have a scene. It's a very, you know, uh, intimate scene between Creed, his wife, and Damien. They're out on the beach, and Damien's talking to Creed's wife about how her life has changed and how it's pivoted and how that sometimes you just have to you have to flow with that and just accept things change. I think what we can look forward to for Mike in, in, in this film um, is, is a really soulful performance uh, as an actor and I think a, a really unique vision as a director. You know, some of his choices, um, specifically through the performances of, the, of his co-stars and through the visuals, you know, I think are just really brilliant and, and I can't wait for folks to see it, specifically like on that, on that big screen. So, you know, some of that IMAX, some of that IMAX photography is just, it's just gorgeous. So, Miss Producer, when's your next show? I don't really perform like that these days. Yeah, I took a break because I was I was having some issues with my hearing on stage. And now I'm trying to be careful and preserve what I got left. So I'm producing. Yeah. Not anytime soon. <laughs> Still hard to get that part up though. Right? Yeah, it's not the only thing I love, but it takes work. It does take work, and that's a fact. And I am so bad at that sometimes. I just fully admit. Because, you know, we always sometimes get stuck in that regretville. But it doesn't do you any good. You got to move on. But I know for a fact, a lot of times you can just sit there and go, man, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But doesn't help you anymore today. You got to keep working and moving on. Now, up next, we're going to hear from Jonathan Majors. And he's going to talk about seeing this on the big screen because they did shoot this with IMAX cameras. So he talks about that. And then right after that, we're going to hear from the director, Michael B. Jordan, also discussing that whole concept of shooting it, you know, with IMAX and just getting the nitty gritty. And then we're going to get back to another interview where they're being interviewed side by side. And that's what's happening in that interview. The first two are separate. And then the last one is with them together in the same room. And they're just talking about the movie and the shooting and all that kind of stuff. There's no other way to see this one. You know, um, the size of it, the intimacy of it, the sound of it, uh, the emotion of it, it has to be seen in the cinemas. Um, I think it's so great. It was so great in its... um, in the beginning process of it that, you know, we're doing certain shots on IMAX cameras with certain machines that, that just have not, have not been done in cinemas, that, that they've not been shot before, you know. Um, it has to be seen there. For, for, for the full experience, um, for all the performance, for all the sweat, for all the tears, you have to see it in cinemas. And you, this is something you want to see with families. It's a family story. You know, Damien... And Adonis are brothers, you know. Adonis and Bianca, you know, like they, they are a family. They have a child. They they're building their, they're building that. You know, it's something to see that will that will break your heart and bring us all together. We shot how many boxing fights? How many different ways? You know, how do you make this one different? How do you, you know, how do you, you know, you know, raise the bar and take it to the next level? Um, obviously, IMAX was one of those things. You know, shooting at IMAX. Um, just giving everybody that experience to make them feel like they're in the ring, you know, physically and, you know, and, and, and audibly. Um, and, and then I think, you know, going back to the character of really realizing who Adonis is, but then also um, 
taking the action and, 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 and making the fights grand and, you know, leaning into the spectacle of, of the sport, of, of the pageantry of boxing, um, you know. Yeah, so that, I think that was the, the, fun, the, the fun part, was finding ways to keep it intimate and true to character and story, but then also how do we make this thing, you know, how do we take some real big creative swings and, uh, and take it to the next level? First off, I hope they're entertained. You know, we, we make it for people to come in and there is a level of escapism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with this franchise um, from my vantage point. Um, I also would like them to, you know, it's always interesting. You know, t- take what you take from it, you know what I mean? But I can tell you what's in there. Uh, there's motivation in there. There's inspiration in there. There's a examination of uh, a real friendship and a real mm-hmm. brotherhood, you know, from multiple angles as athletes. That's something we already talked about, what, how athletes actually get on, you know, about uh-huh. between athletes, between uh, men, between uh, human beings, between black men. It's all that. I want them to walk away and feeling like they can do anything, no matter, you know, your background, no matter what you've been through, uh, no matter how hard, you know, life has been, that you can, you know, overcome hardship and, and obstacles. And if you focus hard enough and, and, you, and sometimes, you know, the right decision is, is not the easy decision. Mm. You can make those hard decisions, you know, um, that you can come out on top. Huh? What do you think of them apples? Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Creed 3. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, please feel free to email me, cinemajudge at hotmail.com, or visit, visit me on any of the other platforms, you might be listening on YouTube. You might be listening to it on whatever site or location you go to for podcasts. Because I can't grow if I don't know. If you go on Instagram, it's The Cinema Judge. And most other ones, just Cinema Judge. Because like I said, I want to grow. I want to do better. If I don't do good, you won't come back. And maybe you won't share. But the more you share, hey, the more the merrier. I would love your feedback. But now it's one of my favorite parts to the show. It's me thanking you, you who took time out of your busy life to listen to the last episode, because I love hearing about how you listen to the show, whether you're driving to work, sitting at home, whatever you're doing. I'd, I love it, because you might be listening to this the next day, two weeks from now, two years from now. It just makes me so, so thrilled when I see somebody, hey, they listen to it, and that just, it makes me totally giddy. Yeah, and I do do a happy dance in my chair. Believe it or not, I'm like, yes! Somebody took time out of their busy life to listen. So, wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. To everybody all around the world. And I had so many different places that listened to the last episode. It just, <laughs> it's just so thrilling. From the United States, Portugal, Vietnam, Poland, United Kingdom, and Philippines, just to name a few. From Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then Viola Real. Is it Viola? Yeah, something. Viola Real. Brighton, Mass. St. Paul, Minnesota. Seattle, Washington. Cleveland, Ohio. Trenton, New Jersey. Fargo, North Dakota. Littleton, Colorado. Long Beach, New York. Beaverton, Oregon. Morrisville, Pennsylvania. Lexington, Kentucky. Pennsylvania. Uh, Kans, uh, Kanshaken, Pennsylvania. Sorry about that, Pennsylvania. Ho Chi Minh City, Holyoke, Mass. Uh, is that Sequim, Washington? Thanks so much, Washington. Stevenson's Ranch, California. 
And this one, I <laughs> there's no way I could pronounce that one. But then Blackshear, Georgia, West Valley City, Utah, and Benquit or Bangu City, Providence of something. I uh, Again, I totally apologize for that, guys. And that's just to name a few. But to you guys, taking time out of your life to listen to this show, I am so indebted to you. So don't think when I just listed those off like in a, in a blur, it doesn't mean anything to me. Because I'm like, wow, I don't know anybody who lives in this place or that place or anything. So it's just somebody out there who likes movies. So to you, I'm just like, thank you. I'm so grateful. But now, if you listen to the show, you know what time it is now. It's the bourbon shout out. This week, it's a double shot. First of all, Lachelle. Thank you so much for listening. I love talking to you about movies. And I really appreciate you taking time to listen to the show. And then, a really big bourbon shout out goes out to Amari. I'm so grateful for you for listening to the show. Going down the rabbit hole. Listening to other shows just on a whim. I am so grateful to you, Amari. It really makes me so happy. So to both of you, cheers. But now it's the music section. Like I tell you before, when I'm making a TV version of this, I'm not talking on it. I'm not on the show at all. It's just me editing. So when I'm doing that, I'm just laying down tunes, just doing air guitar, air piano, whatever. It just It's my happy place. Music, movies, movies, music. It's what, what more could I possibly want? It's the perfect place. So when I'm doing that, I'm just finding tunes left and right. But every once in a while, I, fo- I found this nice little comfortable groove that I, I just need something in the background that I know everything by heart. Because sometimes some episodes are harder than others, and I just don't want to be distracted too much. You know, so this one, I was like, well, you know, I just, I just want something that I know everyone by heart so that I don't get tempted just to stop in the middle and just start jamming. Because it's embarrassing. Sometimes I'm editing my chair and a song comes on. I'm like, oh, sweet. And then there goes five minutes wasted of me just doing, well, embarrassing stuff with, you know, singing along and whatever. I digress. So when I was making this one, I threw on just my, some three of my just go-to ones that I know everything by heart. First, I threw down the Ultimate Bee Gees. That's like a, a double CD type thing. Just loaded with classics can't go wrong with that one and then the definitive collection for the alan parsons project i've mentioned both these bands before many times and that also is a double album and again if you're never familiar with alan parsons project listen to that the definitive collection and on that album cover if you look for that like when they show you a picture it's like this little glass case on a beach kind of broken with all these little relics inside of it that's the best way i Best way I could describe it, I guess. But I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to that album. It's just perfect. Just the greatest hits. Not all the greatest hits, but most of them. And it's just fantastic. And then another one of my go-to, The Essential John Denver. Again, that's another double album. Again, every song is great. Just classic, some little hidden gems. I don't care. It's great stuff. So that's what I was thrown down when I was making a TV version of this. Now, speaking of the TV version of this, if you want to watch this anytime you want on demand, it goes to either Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage or go to bit.ly backwards slash cinemajudge, bit.ly 
backward slash cinema judge. And then this and a whole bunch of other shows will be on demand if you want to watch them. But here's the deal on this particular episode. I finished the TV version just like a day before the movie's going to come out. And then more scenes were added, clips were added. So on the TV version, there won't be a lot of the scenes. There'll be the featurettes, but there won't be any of the scenes. Just so you know, you're like, hey, this guy lied. It's just because I submitted it before that stuff came out at the last second. Just to be a complete full clarity on that. Now, speaking of clarity, as you all know, sometimes I just watch movies during the week. Just I just pick movies randomly, and I'm a sucker for a good sappy show. I don't know why. It's just it's it's my wheelhouse. <laughs> and this week on Prime Video, I came across one called Bite Me, and uh, you know it was just one of those cute movies I just had to watch. So that falls under guilty pleasures because we all know we watch sometimes these movies. You're like, oh my goodness, what was I doing? And I, I don't mean that in a bad way because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I enjoy these low, lower budget, uh, I don't know, rom-com you could say. I don't even know if that's the right word for this one. But if you really want to just find something just light and fun and kind of unique, look it up, bite me. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 